0: Welcome to the Chatter in the Box podcast, where your hosts, Liam Skiffington and Matt Indominico discuss all things baseball. From breaking news to the latest free agent signings, they'll dive into today's game with some of the top minds from around the league. You can catch the latest episode of the Chatter in the Box podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, or Amazon Music, or visit our website at www.chatterinthebox.com.
1: All right, and good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Chatter in the Box podcast. Today is February 1st, 2023. I'm your host, Liam Skiffington, alongside my co-host, Matt
2: Domenico. How are we doing today? Oh, we're doing, man. I'm excited to get this thing going. Hey, man, I mean, this is going to be a fun time, you and I, with Chatter in the Box. This is episode one of many. Uh, We got a fun guest that we're going to be having on today. And this is actually episode, I would say should we call it 1.0? It's it's one with an asterisk. Yeah. We'll yeah. call it that. And do you want to explain to the folks at home why this is one with an asterisk?
1: It just enrages me because considering it was my fault. So if you'd like to take it, by all
2: means, uh, you can tell that story. Yeah, man. Uh, so for the folks listening, Liam and I, we sat down for our first episode about a week ago. And it was a Sunday morning. We were stoked. Listen, we didn't go out the night before because this was an important first episode. We did our homework and we got in, we hit the record button. And we had a fantastic recording. And I'm not here to pull no strings or butter us up, but it really, I mean, we think it might be the greatest episode that will never get published. And why did the episode not get published, Liam? (laughs) Published. You can tell him, I give you permission.
1: The episode did not get published because despite multiple rounds of troubleshooting beforehand, my audio track, yes, I'll repeat it, my audio track, not
2: Matt's. Hold on. It wasn't, it was whose? Mine. Correct.
1: Mine. Okay. So I messed that up. That's on me. That won't happen again as long as this podcast is going. I can guarantee it. And- We're going to hope that today goes off without a hitch. Our guest comes on. We won't introduce the guest until he actually comes on. But, Matt, let's just dive into a little bit about what Chatter in the Box is about and how we started. I moved to Nashville a little over a year ago, started working with the Nashville Sounds, AAA team for the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, started creating content with them, worked a lot with their media department. They were all great. Looking forward to working with them again this year and hopefully expanding our coverage beyond just Nashville baseball. And that's what we're kind of doing with this podcast.
2: Yeah. And Lee and I go way back, by the way. I mean, I probably before middle school, I would say you and I, so at least 10, 12 grade, maybe. Yeah, at least, at least. So we're talking 15 plus years. And the, how I got drawn into this is, um, you know, it's funny. He had uh, ordered a set of mics to his house, like t- to use on the field when he was working with the, the Nashville Sounds. And he asked me, and I was down in Nashville visiting at the time. And he's like, hey, Matt, could you help me test out these mics? So we ran with it. And we just started bouncing off each other, practicing on these little mics that he ordered to his house. And he told me, he like called me one day a couple months back. He goes, dude, I was just watching the video of you and I using these mics. I think we can do this together. And I said, sign me up. Give me the time, place, what I need to do. And here we are, man. Episode 1.0 with an asterisk. I'm just excited to get this thing going. Talk about the game, bring excitement back to the game. And hell yeah, man. I'm All systems go. go. I'm also excited, Matt, to that people
1: now with this podcast are going to be able to like almost get brought along on our journey through baseball through all levels. Like we're going to end this podcast. You're going to hear stuff from college players. You're going to hear stuff from executives, agents, major league players, former major league players, hopefully Hall of Famers. We're working on that. Don't bank on it, but (laughs) possible possible.
2: Yeah, no, man. Excited to get things going. And, you know, the goal would be to hopefully get on a field of play at some point, maybe by the end of this year. So, yeah, for those that are listening here on day one, come join us for the journey because it's going to be a fun ride. We're going to tell a lot of cool stories and, bring you guys later, right along with it.
1: Yep, we got a lot of cool guests coming up. So, yeah, like I said, stay tuned. Waiting for our guest to get in here now. Yeah. While we wait for him, Matt, let's we should probably talk a little bit about him. Well, actually, let's let's rewind it a little bit. Let's talk about mental health in sports and the stigma around men specifically not being able to talk about their mental health, their feelings, because a lot of society
2: perceives it as a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, you know, when I was doing my research on Josh, who we'll be speaking to in a few minutes, it amazes me that this is relatively a new thing in sports. When I say new, we're talking in the past five, less than a decade almost, where they have people like Josh Uh, in professional sports. And again, I'm not going to dive into what he does quite yet. I'll let him do that. But it's so important. I mean, not only in baseball, but in in professional sports altogether. You're talking about a society where you're right. Like, uh, is it manly to, to bow down to your Weaknesses and uh, bound down to your, you know, anxieties and all these things that that can affect a professional sports player. And it's so important because you look at people that have slumps, the people that can't get their head out of you know whatever cloud they're in, and they have no one to talk to and they're afraid to talk to people about it. This is a fantastic first episode, man. I'm so happy we're talking about this this early on and shed some light on something that. Is not only a necessity, but is required, I think, in sports across the board.
1: Right. Well, and Matt, you said it's required. It actually is mandated by Major League Baseball now. And I'm sure Josh can dive a little bit deeper into this, but it is mandated by Major League Baseball now to have somebody on staff, a mental health professional on staff to some capacity. I don't, and like I said, Josh will get into the intricacies of that, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but it is. A stigma. And when we think about the pressure that these guys specifically are under, like a, as a regular human being myself, just a normal civilian, not professional athlete, like just the regular everyday stresses of life can get to me as you've seen Matt just building up to this podcast. And when you couple the pressures of everyday life on top of the pressures of being a professional athlete and having thousands of people depend on you, worship you, watch you every single day. I can't imagine. Honestly, I couldn't imagine going to my day job and having yeah. three people watch every move I did for four hours. I mm-hmm. I don't know how I would react to that.
2: Yeah. And sometimes you hear the argument, oh, you know, it comes with being a professional athlete. You got to know how to deal with it. But like, these people are human, man. Like, they're awesome. These professional athletes are just as vulnerable as you and I. And yet they're on a field of play being watched by millions of people right so I look at guys that sign big cr- contracts the expectations that are set for them right I mean these fans hold them to it and they hold and listen I'm, we're all guilty of it you know when I'm a huge fan of sports you know across the board all types of sports and I hold these stars accountable as well and there's the pressures that come along with it and back to your point about the stigma man I mean it's important that these guys you know when they feel like they're in times of you know need help, step up and you know do something about it because you're expected to perform at a top level and uh, you have to have the mental capacity to do it absolutely and it's going to be uh i mean like you you kind of said it
1: already we see these players sign these big contracts every offseason and then not all of them but a lot of them seem to get almost fat and happy they got their bag and now they're they're set for life pretty much they don't really care too much about performance it's definitely not every player no Um, I do think a lot of fans, however, fail to recognize like a a declined year. Oh, Josh is uh, texting me right now. He should be asking to be let in. All right, Matt. So I'm happy to say that there are a couple of technical difficulties on our end. We are joined by the Tampa Bay Rays mental skills coordinator, Josh Kozu. Josh, did I say that correctly? No. Kozu. Kozu likes it. There you go, cause you, Josh, we appreciate you stepping into the box today and uh, having a little chat with us. How are you doing? I'm great, man. How are you guys? Uh, we can't ask can't enough. complain. It's a little cold up here in the north, but i eh, doing fine. I see that. I see that. <laughs> Where are you based out of, Josh? Florida, I'm assuming? Yeah, I'm uh, not too far from St. Pete. So Okay. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. You're done. Okay, Josh, so what, to get started, why don't you tell us just a little bit, what drove you into the mental skills field?
0: Yeah, honestly, it was some of my own struggles as a player. I, I grew up always playing baseball I was fortunate enough to play in college not good enough to play professionally some of it was my own head I was a catcher I kind of dealt with the yips a little bit throughout my career even hitting always in my head thinking about like what's this pitcher gonna throw me worried about trying to get five hits and one at bat just a lot of the same stuff that I now have learned tools and techniques to help with I struggled with myself but I didn't have anybody to, to talk to about some of this stuff so it was a struggle I got involved with coaching afterwards and then would always find myself. Talking to guys about just like what are you thinking when you're in the box? What are you thinking when you're uh, on the mound? Those types of things. No idea about sports psychology, and one day it was turned on to the idea of it. So I went and googled it. I'm like, oh my god, like there's there's a career in this stuff, and people are starting to do it in baseball. And I said I need to go back to school, get my master's degree, and and see what happens. So I did it. Got my masters. Started with the Mets as an intern. My first year out, and then yeah, the, this is going on season
1: number eight already in in pro ball. So we're doing it wild so josh we were wondering before the show started we were wondering just what is the pursuit of a mental skills coach in baseball like are you applying for those jobs are they courting you what's that process like from like start to finish interviews oh
0: that's a good question a lot of times like most posts are for you know A lot of times entry level, there's been some like coordinator posts over the last couple of years, just as the field starts to evolve and teams are really starting to see a a need for some of this stuff. Like I just saw the Tigers had a coordinator post like a month ago. So sometimes it's posted, sometimes it's not. And it's a little bit about networking, like back channel type of stuff. But honestly, for the most part, it is applied online. The big league jobs are few and far between. So a lot of times they just based on connections, man, and... It's just word of mouth. Just stupid freaking yeah. things work out. I I believe in. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. For it's sure. you know too, you know, right? A little bit. I mean, you got to still
2: be good at what you do. But, yeah. yeah. Yep. Josh, I did have a question for you. So, I know that you've worked now at a few different levels. What type of player would you say is – are you talking about, like, a big leaguer that's tougher to work with or – uh the younger guys like what what level do you find the hardest to work with or most most challenging i should say i'll
0: be it's hard to say a specific because each level has different set of challenges sure you know the guys that are in triple a back and forth between the big leagues like it can be challenging to work with them just because like You got to taste the success. You're right there. Your dream is literally right in front of you and you can't make that last step. So sometimes like unlocking that, but then you also have the young guys who are blank slates, but yet don't want to listen because they've done it their whole, their way, their whole career. They just got drafted, signed for X amount of money. I don't want to need to listen to this stuff. Like I'm good. So I hate to use that answer of like, it depends on, on the level, but like each one has different challenges. I would say. We're lucky right now with the Rays. Most guys in and the program that we've established are at least going to listen and give us the time of day. And I think the relationships that we built with these players has allowed that to happen. So very fortunate to have a have a good organization that, you know, supports what we do too. So that helps.
1: Josh, so you mentioned the program that you guys have at the Rays. What is everyone involved in that program? Are people selected to be a part of this program? Do they volunteer? How does that work?
0: Everyone. Everyone at least gets the minimum of like We'll do team sessions and things like that. But then it becomes a lot more individualized, a little bit more the higher we get as guys have more ownership of their career, you know. Like by the time they get to double-A, AA, triple A, it's about polishing, polishing your skills physically and mentally. So we're we take a little bit more individualized approach. But we, you know, when we have off season programs, when we have spring training, those types of things, it's a lot of just team meetings using the players' knowledge to kind of learn from each other just as much as it is us teaching them. So it it's a little bit of both again, but as they get older, it's way more individualized for sure. Like I'm not going to have team sessions with these guys once a week in, in AAA and we're going to talk about mental performance for, half hour like guys that are gonna be like no dude we're not
1: right right josh so your sessions are th- are you guys mostly working within like the group or do you guys also do individual sessions with players?
0: yeah individual I-, I probably do more individual than group interesting now there'll be like some small groups you know when guys are hitting bp you're in your groups of three or four so like it's cool to just connect with them there but i mean a lot of them are individual but it's not like hey come in my come into an office and we'll sit down and chat for right minute. like i'll be on the field Playing catch, and we'll just be talking to the guy next to me, or you know, shagging fly balls, or like during a game, just chilling in the dugout type of thing. So it's way more organic than just hey, office hours, we're gonna meet type of thing. Now, I can, we can do those types of things. You know, I've gone to lunch, go to Starbucks, that type of thing, have those little bit more formal sit downs, but I like just being out on the field, like kind of let things happen a little bit more naturally. And I think guys respond a little bit better to that too.
1: Nice. I think that a lot of people, Josh, might be confused on the difference between a mental skills coach like yourself and a therapist. Could you dive into that a little bit for us?
0: Yeah, and that's true. It's definitely, there's a distinction and it's almost like a a little bit of a continuum on on a spectrum as far as like mental performance, mental health. The lines do get a little bit blurry, but where we've tried to draw the line is I'm not diagnosing or treating anybody with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. Now, sometimes those things come up in conversation, right? Like a player trusts you, he's going to say things. I have to be competent enough to say, hey, this is not in my area, but I can refer you to somebody else. And so we have an awesome staff of of people with the Rays. But I mean, even Rays or not, if you're involved in this field, you have to know your boundaries. And when you hear certain key words, or you hear certain phrases, Hey, I gotta I gotta be able to connect you. I'll connect you. I help you with that process. Whatever you need along the way, I'm not saying I don't care about you. It's because I care about you that I want to help get you the right help that you need. So really, just, uh, just kind of draw the line is like I'm not gonna diagnose or treat anything like that. It's more you know on field performance, confidence, things like that. Where I'm really trying to to talk through with guys.
1: Would you almost consider yourself sort of a mandated reporter in that sense? Like if a player says one of those buzz phrases to you, like you, I, I'm assuming you your first thought is. Okay, I have to so you gotta have the player as a part of that process as well and
0: be like, hey, um, because sometimes guys just say like, oh, I have anxiety, and they don't know what it actually is, they just know that it's what's talked about a lot of times, and really it's just mm-hmm. some guys, it's just oh, I'm nervous when I'm in the box, it's not a trait of anxiety where it's or social anxiety and things like that. It's not that, but they don't know because they just haven't been educated on some of that. So it's like, okay, hey you said this. I'm going to stop you right there. I think it would be better if we get so-and-so involved in this process. Would you be comfortable with me reaching out to him, or would you be more comfortable with you reaching out to him? And a lot of, sometimes the guy would be like, no, nah, dude, I'm good, or hey, yeah, set it up. So I always leave it up to the player. Like It's their career, it's their life, it's their choices, but I'm going to steer them in a direction that I feel like can best help them out.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's great, Josh. And I, to bring you back to what, something you said earlier, you mentioned the yips. And for those for those that really don't know, could you talk about what the yips is? Because Liam and I both know what that is, and is it more common than like what people think in professional baseball? Yeah, from your perspective. Well,
0: answer that part first. I feel like it's—I don't know if it's getting more common, but like I'm I noticed <laughs> it a little bit more. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting, but the yips are. <laughs> Feeling where you can't do something simple, so you see it. Like, my issue was throwing the ball back to the pitcher. So, I don't know if you guys or your audience have ever watched Major League Two. Uh, rube the catcher couldn't get it back to him could throw it everywhere else second base third everywhere but the pitcher was an issue and i don't know if it was because i watched that movie when i was playing and i was like oh and it makes you think a little bit but that was me so what it feels like is you get super tense or for me it was i got really tense and, and i'd start to overthink like how to throw a baseball, and it's something that you've done your entire life. So, like, why if I get my arm to here and do this and step like this, like it's it's all mental and it's miserable. And baseball players have it, golfers have it a lot of times when they putt. Sometimes kickers get a little yippy. I'm not gonna say my had him. But it was interesting. <laughs> that game i was like i wonder how he's gonna bounce back because you could eat four drop off right yeah, um yeah but it's uh it's tough and everybody kind of deals with them differently there's not like a a program to follow It'd be like here's the prescription to fix the yips like shit some guys never get over it
2: um but it's yeah it's not a fun it's not a fun thing no yeah. And Liam's going to shoot me for saying this, but I mean, I I played at the high school level and I'll never forget the feeling I caught too, just the feeling of soaring the ball over the pitcher's head. I, it was the worst. And you get everyone watching. You're like, are you kidding me? The pitcher stood, but he didn't move his glove. He just stared at me in my soul. And there was a stretch of games where I couldn't even get it back to the pitcher oh. myself. Like, yeah. It's the worst feeling. And I couldn't imagine like a catcher in the big leagues, oh. what that feels like. Yeah. And these guys get paid millions of dollars and they're like, they can't throw the ball back to the pitcher, it's brutal. but it's a mental block. I had to get to the point where I just had to throw it as hard as I could at them sometimes.
0: And sometimes like, I like to think I had a decent arm. Yeah. I just get pissed then. Cause they're like, dude, you don't need to throw it back at me at nine. Like, yeah. <laughs> i can't get it there any other way so
1: deal Mm -hmm. but it's yeah it's tough yeah so josh you got your start in like mental health and professional sports with the springfield thunderbirds correct that came along after i was with the mets oh okay i apologize but um spent as a winner in springfield yeah what did you think of the area? Matt and I are actually from that area. To
0: There's not much to do. I'll put it that way. Yeah. That was the, actually yeah. that year was the uh, first year the casino opened, so it was all right. Like you could, it was probably pretty popping then.
2: Yeah, but that was that was probably the nicest way you could have put it, Josh. So yeah, I no- <laughs> yeah it's not much to do. With that. No, man. <laughs> uh,
0: you got the Hall of Fame, yes, the basketball Hall of Fame, but
1: I never did. Yeah. You never went. No, I never went there. You're not missing right. anything, man. <laughs> missing anything at all. But okay, Josh. So from the time you got your start, actually, let me rewind a little bit. How does men- how do mental skills professionals like vary from sport to sport? Like, what's different about your job now with the Rays than it was with the Thunderbirds?
0: That's a good question. Honestly, like going into it, I thought it was going to be way different as far as like the reception to mental performance. Like I thought hockey players are going to be like, no chance. We are not Mm. talking to this, dude. This is never going to happen. We're way too tough for this. But a lot of the same skills that I talk about with baseball players transfer to hockey. And I've noticed it also through my career because I work with people in other sports as well. And you can take these same skills and apply them elsewhere. So I think that has actually shifted my mentality is, I need to be able to take these skills and and my job is to apply them to their sport. So I need to get educated on their sport and meet them where they're at. And so I think it's helped me become a better practitioner along the way too, because I've learned about different sports and and not just sports, but the business world and, and finances and things like that. And like these same principles and decision-making tools can be applied across a lot of different domains. And like I said, that's my job to figure it out for that person. And it's not their job to figure out and apply it for them. So I guess that's what shifted
2: um, for me over, over the years. And Josh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, was there or is there a stigma in a sense where it's not manly enough to talk about your feelings and things in your anxieties and, and being a professional athlete. I mean, have you noticed that message at all? Cause like from a fan base, you hear that. Yeah. You hear like, oh. a little bit.
0: I mean, you still have guys that are like,
2: oh, I'm good. That's I yeah, they don't want to talk
0: now that I've been doing it. And really our program here with the raises is getting more established and guys are starting to see that we're basically like an extension of a coaching staff a little bit and we're there to help and and provide these tools to help them out they're starting to open up a little bit more now some coaches the old school ones that have been around a bit they're like hey like why is so and so talking to josh here and that's starting to shift as well and i mean the literature is changing you are starting to see more articles about mental performance and things like that and i think it's only going to continue to get better but the stigma is was worse when i started than it is now and i think again it's it's attributed to the organization i'm with but each organization views mental performance differently like with the Rays, we have six coaches that do mental performance Some orgs might have one or two, and so those ones might have a tougher time, and they might have a different answer to that question than I do. So, yeah.
1: Josh, so as the coordinator for the Rays, are you taking care of hiring across all levels or just at the major league level? All levels,
0: yeah. What do you specifically look for in a coach? Uh, I'm looking for somebody who, who has initiative that is willing to to make mistakes. Like it's okay. Um, We're not perfect in in this game. As you guys know, with baseball, you're going to fail. So we need to be able to as well, but we have, we need to be able to make adjustments. We have to be able to learn from them. We have to be outgoing, personable. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, relationships are important. If we don't have relationships, if you can't just have conversations, and you're just kind of awkward, you're probably not going to fit too well. So that is really important. And obviously the knowledge, the understanding, the schooling uh, behind things is is helpful to, you know, have these concepts down. But relationships and, and being able to do that, I think are really important. And if you want to get player and coach trust, like you gotta be there. You gotta grind. You gotta like maybe not every day and grind and sit on the bus for twelve hours and do all that stuff. Like this isn't 1985 anymore. But they want to see that you're invested with them as well. So I think it's a tough lifestyle. Like it is. You know, spring training starts in two weeks. I mean, you're gonna be away from home from the middle of February until hopefully the end of October if you're going to the World Series. So that can be tough. So you know, you gotta have people that understand that. not only them, but their families. It's tough. It really is. So there's, it's a lot of great things that come with pro sports and and baseball and everything. But I think a lot of times people don't see the sacrifices that are made, not only by that person, and I'm not just talking mental performance, but their families, their kids just, it's very difficult at times. So I think like just Having people when you hire them
1: understand that ahead of time is really important. Yeah, yeah.
2: and actually, that's a, that's a. Oh, go ahead, Liam. Josh,
1: just real quick, are there any certifications or anything that you're looking for from any coach or any sort of degree?
0: Uh, we start with a, a master's in sports psychology at minimum. At this point, there is the CMPC, which is out there. It's Certified Mental Performance Coach. Right now, it's not a requirement. You know, if you have it, great. It can change as far as like what we're looking for as our department is going to start to evolve and and consider other things as well. But right now we're starting with that master's degree in some sort of sports psychology, organizational psych, like that type of thing. We're looking at least at a master's um, for right now. Now, you know, say we have an internship. Well, then you're able to open things up a little bit. You will take a bachelor's or somebody who's practiced or, you know, there's also value in in former players that have lived the lifestyle and things like that that. So it's not a a hard line right now, but I think like, like I said, as we continue to evolve, maybe things change a little bit. So I don't know what the future holds, but we're
2: willing to hire good people more than anything. Love that. And I was just mentioning before, uh, Josh, uh, it was actually a good segue into one of my next questions. You mentioned the families and, you know, back at home, that that work life balance how do you work with these guys into like yeah you might not see your family for a few months like that's tough it is it's
0: very hard and i mean take the guys who are you know free agents that have bounced around the last couple of years and sign one-year deals and they don't get to spend any time with their families and they don't know what city they're going to be in or you know a guy is in say our double a team is in montgomery alabama their family plans a trip to come there on on the fourth of july their girlfriend their mom and dad their sisters brothers whatever they're all coming there kid gets moved up kid gets hurt gets sent out goes to another affiliate parents have to now change their plans girlfriend has to change their plans that costs money organization ain't paying for that Mm -hmm. so like these are just stresses that come up over the course of a season that people don't realize and again it's you know you're playing professional baseball you get to do a really cool job but like these are real things that guys go through before it used to be housing that guys had to take care of now it's paid for by organizations but imagine then like you get moved up or sent down and now you got to find somewhere else to live or you got to find who's going to sublease my apartment that i just had and so like Some of these stressors, like they take their toll on guys over the course of season and career. Um, You know, those guys who are in the minors for six, seven, eight years, like
1: (laughs) they start questioning: Is this really what I want to be doing anymore? It's, It's tough. Josh, do you find that the younger guys that you work with upon entering professional baseball have a more difficult time adjusting?
0: I guess define younger: high school kids or college kids, because there's a difference.
1: Okay, let's go with high school.
0: Yeah, a little bit because they haven't lived on their own yet. This is their first time out. A lot of times the the high school guys, you know, they're probably earlier round draft picks uh, because otherwise they're just going to go to school. So they've always been the guy. You've always just been talked up probably your whole career type of thing. So they might struggle a little bit, you know, being away from home and their parents and having meals cooked for them and (laughs) understanding what time I need to go to bed, like basic things. But like these guys don't have the experience yet. The college guys, they might have been on their own for two, three, four years at this point. Like they kind of, I'm not saying they're experts at it, but they at least have some experience along the way with it. So there is a difference mm-hmm. between them. Do you speak Spanish? No, uh, poquito.
1: But <laughs> okay, not, <laughs> I'm but assuming that not not work with like that. full combo. Yeah, I'm assuming then you don't really work too much with like the Dominican summer league rookie league. Uh,
0: no, like I'll make a I'll make a trip here and there down to there, but we yeah. have others on staff that are fully bilingual that help with that and. We actually, a lot of teams have education programs that are teaching these players English along the way and also teaching us Spanish. So like we can kind of meet right And as they get older, it's a little bit easier to have uh, more in-depth conversations with these guys too. But the young bucks who are, you know, 16, 17 signed out of mm. Santo Domingo, it's really tough for me to have a conversation with them.
1: Right. I could only imagine what that adjustment is like for them. They're so young at 16 coming to a completely new country too mm. and some. It's, it's crazy
0: mm-hmm, for sure
1: so josh you take care of all of these players and i'm assuming your staff who who how important is it for you and who do you have in your life that takes care of you um
0: i would say my wife but she probably just hears me complain too much uh, so i don't know it's nice to have the sounding board but i'm sure there's times where she's like josh shut up man like i get it <laughs> So yeah, she's she's my biggest supporter. My family is huge. I don't see them as much as I would like, but they they're always supportive, happy to chat at any time, and it's cool to have that. And I mean, within the we have staff at the Rays that I'm, I'm very comfortable with as well, and it's a, a very family like atmosphere. So that helps along the way. Because yeah, man, you get in the middle of July and August, and it's like oh my god, like I haven't seen these people in months. Like I just I just miss home.
1: You're traveling with the team, right?
0: Yeah. So. I'm in the, I travel a lot around in the minors, like in some of our affiliates and each year yep. changes a bit. So I spend a lot of time with our AAA. I have the last couple of years in Durham, which has been cool because it's a, it's a nice city, good people around there. But yeah, just you're traveling a lot. You're in a lot of airports. I think
2: Atlanta is like my second home over the course of a <laughs> hour oh, really? I believe it. Yeah. The airport's huge. It is. Something else for you, Josh, a lot of these players, they're all on social media, right? So they have to deal with the trolls, as they call it, mm-hmm. or the angry sports betters—people that aren't covering bets—and they get mad at these guys and the abuse that they take online. Do you ever have conversations with the guys, these guys, about how to handle the the social media abuse?
0: It'll come up, and I mean, guys will just like block some of these people, or they just turn off notifications, or they will just go dark—that's good for a while—or TikTok, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the best thing for these guys to do. You know, that's again their call if they want to do it, but that it, it comes up. Like guys are like, dude, like check out this message I just got from so-and-so. And I'm like, gosh, like really? These people out there need to kind of get a life a little bit.
2: Yeah. Or something. Yeah. They really have that much time on their hands. Right. But they, they want to go after right. these guys.
0: But I mean, it's a thing for sure. Yeah. You got to figure out a way to deal with it. So sucks. <laughs>
1: Josh, with the game getting younger and younger over the years, as it seems to you, what is the most important mental skill for a young player to learn?
0: I think they got I, I could probably give you a few, but the one that instantly comes to mind is they you got to be able to just slow the game down. Like you, you have to like have some sort of process for being able to manage your emotions, to be able to tunnel your focus and say, okay, this is what I need to do in this moment. And a lot of times it's just simplify. And so we try to do too much or there's too many things going on, or you're trying to prove a point or you're trying to whatever it may be, simplify. And so like, I'll talk to the guys a lot lot about that. It's just like, slow the game down. You do that by simplifying. It's a, I can get way deeper into some of this stuff about it, but for the sake of, (laughs) simplicity here uh we'll just keep it at that
2: i i think i heard you say might have been on like a, a blog post or something creating a sense of like deja vu is that right on the field you can't so when you use like visualization and things
0: like that it, it's a yeah. helpful tool to be able to use so then when you get out of the field it's like oh i've done this
1: before uh, right that type of thing so visualization is another tool that i talk about with guys yep josh so could you dive a little deeper into visualization like what is it and how should guys like when they're in game use it
0: yeah so a lot of times guys i'll just start off by just asking them like what's your experience with it and guys are like oh dude i've never done it i don't know what it is and I'll say, okay, close your eyes. Like, think about your house and think about your your kitchen in your house. Okay, where's the fridge? Where's the window? Okay, where's the pots and pans? Where's the silverware? And they're like, okay, could you see all that? Yeah, yeah. Are you in your house? No. Okay, well, that's visualization. (laughs) You're able to take a picture in your mind and recreate it and see where everything is. So we can do that same thing for the baseball field, right? Like if you're a hitter, close your eyes, imagine that you're in the box. Imagine that you're, we'll just use Durham, for example. I'm in the Durham box and I see the surroundings and I'm looking for this pitch. And like, you can kind of base your approach or your plan on off of that as well and so I'll try to build that into a, a visualization script for some of these guys and again it's a really helpful tool you don't have to be at the field to do this stuff it's a way to get mental reps it's a way to get physical reps in a way too because the skill of visualization our neurons are firing off and it's sending um, signals to our muscles that are essentially like getting us ready and prepared to do this action and you could be laying in bed to do it so like it's a way to get mental and physical reps without you know taxing yourself and going out there and take taking a hundred hacks out at the field. So I'll start there, understand what is visualization, talk about it a little bit, and then we'll make a script just based on what it is that they're looking for. Hitters, an approach, pitchers, more of like they might be working on location of dotting up a fastball and things like that. So it just depends on the guy.
1: So Josh, when you're setting these goals with these players, what do you tell them about the difference between outcome-based goals and process-based goals.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, outcome to me is results, batting average 300, or um, I want to hit 25 homers this year. I want to have ERA under three. So like I'm fine with outcome goals, but we're not chasing that. We're chasing the process. So here's going to be my outcomes. But what do I need to do? How am I going to achieve that? And that's what I want guys to focus on along the way. So then we create like the plan. Okay, how am I doing this? Well, I'm going to hit off the tee for X amount of swings. And I'm going to get front toss. I'm going to do this during the game, during my four at bats. I'm going to stay focused on, you know, driving the ball middle away, or I'm going to look for certain pitches. And then... That's how we're gonna evaluate our, our games and our results. And I believe that if we take care of these things, take care of that process, then the outcomes are gonna be there. And sometimes you might exceed the original outcome goal that you had for yourself. At the same time, being realistic, sometimes you might underperform your outcome goal. So knowing that ahead of time and being able to make adjustments as the year goes on and, you know, we get into June, July, August, like it's okay to adjust. Like we don't just because I set my outcome goal of I want to hit 300 this year doesn't mean that it's in stone. Like we can change it at any time and getting guys to to understand that as well. But all about the process, all about developing the how I think is extremely important in in baseball, any sport. But yes, that's the difference.
2: Is that the same process? So you're looking at a rookie that's just getting called up for his rookie year. Is that the same process? Let's say he's a top guy in the pipeline, high expectations. Is that the same process that you're setting with this guy? Like we have to enjoy the process? I mean, yeah, we can hear the outside noise and expectations are set high for you. Mm-hmm. Same thing. How, same, th- same thing? Yeah, same exact thing. Just yeah. how are we going to have success?
0: And sometimes, whether they're rookies or you know five-year vets, they're just trying that all that everybody wants to do is have success. A lot of times the rookies haven't had that taste at the big league level yet. So like they might not know how. OK, so let's talk to teammates. How have some of these guys had success? What's led to their success? What are they doing? I'm a believer that success leaves clues. Like there are things that you can learn from other people and take those things and apply them to yourself. But you have to ask questions. Do you have to be open minded. You have to be willing to change as well. So paying attention to those things. But yeah, the process is the process and everybody has one. We just need to find what the best one is for you. you go. Nice.
1: Josh, and so before we let you go here and we appreciate you taking the time today. What are in your opinion what would you say are the three pillars of the mental makeup of a successful major leaguer? Mm, I would say
0: being able to to manage failure or handle adversity like that's just it's gonna happen. The other one is slowing the game down, like I mentioned before. And I think understanding confidence. Um, understanding that confidence is nice to have. It's like we want to feel confident, of course we do, but you're not always going to. So can you play on the days where you don't feel your best? On those days where you know what, like I've played for the last three straight weeks. I'm exhausted. We just got in at, at four in the morning. I don't feel confident, but I still gotta go out there and I gotta face uh Garrett Cole. I gotta face some of these pitchers and they don't they don't care how I feel. So those would be the three things that I would say are, are really important. Like not searching always for confidence, but understanding that that confidence is
2: something that how we manage it and what we do with it. That's interesting, Jess. You mentioned how you know they obviously have to go out perform. Every single day, it's a hundred and sixty-two game season. Players don't play every game, you know. They take days off. Is there ever an instance where these guys will come to you and be like, "Hey, listen, I just can't get out of my own head today. I need to sit." And then you talk to to the manager? Is there ever is there ever a case like that, or will they go right to the manager and be like, "I can I just can't." Yeah,
0: I haven't had too many cases like that one yet. Um, and I think, right. like, as this continues to grow and mm-hmm. you know how this is built out, I, maybe that becomes a thing. But I'll be honest, I haven't had too many too many like okay or if they did i'd be like hey have you told the manager because that's, that's <laughs> you so yeah. kind of knowing know my own role in the process too is important sure
1: got it all right josh that's all we got for you today we really appreciate you stepping into the box uh chatting with us for a little bit and best of oh actually real quick what's your super bowl prediction
0: oh man if, if Mahomes is healthy they're gonna win the chiefs are gonna win the game score 35 31 Oh, close! Yeah,
1: it will be close. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, thirty-five, thirty-one Chiefs. All right, Wait, that we'll circle back no. on that. I'm put some money. Josh, on. best of luck this season, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you,
2: guys. Oh, one well, before before you go, Josh where where can people follow you on uh, LinkedIn, uh, social pages? Yeah, go ahead. Appreciate you asking. At Josh, yeah, or
0: Kozuch. Um, that's Instagram, Twitter uh mm-hmm. first last name simple enough and yeah nothing nothing crazy awesome man Bye. we'll go follow him thanks for joining josh thank you guys we'll see you